passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Charlotte Flair looking to bridge into the figure eight. Ladies and gentlemen, your winner of the match by disqualification and heading to WrestleMania, Becky Lynch! Ronda Rousey just made sure that Becky would be in the main event at WrestleMania, which is now a triple threat with Ronda, Charlotte, and Becky! Ronda right in the rules as she goes, right in the story. Well, welcome everybody to the Fastlane Post Show. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. And we have a WWE pay-per-view to go through Fastlane from Cleveland, Ohio, which at various parts of the night, uh, they were in the Fastlane, they were on the shoulder of the road, they were in the collector's lane, and I think a few times they mentioned that they are on the road to WrestleMania. Oh, it, it, it is often, I mean, it's, it's not unusual for there to be road bumps on the path to WrestleMania. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes some disqualifications here and there, and sometimes even those road bumps can still land you into the match. So lots to discuss from the show. I think a lot of people wanting to hear our feedback on this show. But how was your weekend, Way? Oh, it was good. Celebrated a birthday? Correct, yes. Way Ting came to my birthday party. I was so happy. With John Pollock. Hung out on, on Friday night. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a good time, yeah. I thought. Thank you for your gift. <laughs> Not really a gift. In fact, I see it right here. It is? Cherry High Chews. Cherry High Chew. You know, a lot of other podcasts, they have Blue Chew. We have High Chew. High Chew. So. We're still waiting on that sponsorship. Well, uh, shall we just dive right into things, Way, Is there anything you want to get off your chest first? Not really. Let's let's do the small talk tomorrow. Okay. We don't need any small talk. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go through Fastlane. At the end, I want to do a brief uh, recap of the New Japan Cup three nights in as they are winding down the first round of that tournament. Also, uh, I want to say we will be taking some phone calls from the live chat room out there right now. So um, at the end, we will uh, give out our phone number, and then uh, you can call in with your feedback before we get to the uh, message board feedback. Yes, as long as there are calls, we will uh, we will stay on the air uh, taking them. So thanks to everyone for joining us live in the chat room or listening later. Of course, we are live after every WWE pay-per-view if you are a double-double ice cap or espresso member at postwrestlingcafe.com. So as we head into this show, lots of changes to this card. We had a kickoff match added. We had a kickoff match that was changed. We had a WWE title match that was changed. Uh, we had additions and subtractions. This kind of felt like a card that going into the show, uh, just parts of it just got blown up, it felt like. 
I, at some point, I just kind of stopped bothering with all the changes, and I just like you know, I said, "We'll uh, see what we see." Yeah, I'm gonna go in like, <laughs> and and I know I'm gonna get a show. Uh, what I'm going to see on the kickoff, I I almost didn't care. Well, the show began at six o'clock Eastern time with the kickoff show, hosted by Jonathan Coachman with Beth Phoenix, Sam Roberts, and David Otunga, and. Early on, there was an interview with Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville, and they were approached by EC3, who can now talk. Mm-hmm. He was, I guess, hitting on Mandy Rose, though it didn't feel too uh, overt. But it was to Sonia, who said that Mandy Rose was not put on Earth to be with a human tanning bed like you, and told EC3 to get lost. Mandy, or, or sorry, Sonia specifically said, we've been waiting for you to speak for months, and this is what you come up with? Like some type of, you know, line on, on Mandy Rose? I don't know what they're doing with this EC3 character. Clearly, they realize this non-talking thing has been doing nothing for him. Um, no, th this was a big improvement. Well, this was, I mean... I I don't know I don't know. He's much the about geek this that guy. gets blown off by Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville. I don't know if they're teasing some type of association or story. Um, they will certainly wouldn't do something like this for nothing, or would they? Oh wait, DC three. Let Let's circle um, back in a week and we'll see if this was done for any reason. You know, but at least now the guy can talk. Whether or not it'll make a lick of difference in his uh, positioning in the company, it remains to be seen. He may be the the worst of that set of call ups in January. I mean, we haven't seen much of Nikki Cross either. Yeah, but it's like, this is actively bad stuff. Nikki Cross bad. is just forgotten about. Sure. Heavy Machinery is in the Heavy Machinery they're role. What they may be the best. No, Lacey Evans, I think, is in the, the best spot so far. Hard to say. But man, this is that's quite the, the bell curve that she's being graded mm. upon. Uh, Carmella was starting a petition to get a rematch for R-Truth for the United States title because rematches no longer exist for title uh for for champions that lose their titles her justification was that she truth wasn't pinned correct yes yeah. he lost it uh unfairly so she starts arguing with Zelina vega leading to samoa joe walking in and sta stated that if our truth ray mysterio and andrade have a problem he will put them to sleep joe signed the petition a real badass move and they announced that andrade and ray has now been swapped for a fatal four-way match which will happen on the main show so Joe, in this swift movement, not only signed a signature, he altered the contract to include everybody's names in there as well. Wow, what a heel. He's a, I'm going to take on all comers, I, I'm going to kick their asses, I don't and think, I'm going to choke them out. Well, I don't know if he's supposed to be a heel or not. I mean, I don't think he is. He was invading homes not that long ago, well, so I mean, I, I'm just going with past discretion. Since then, I mean... I think they're going. They're not really changing the character all that much. He's still supposed to be the badass who might someday invade, invade your, home. your home. Yes, but because he does it with so much confidence, we're supposed to cheer for him. Carmella, <laughs> that's the way I take it. Because like, he, yeah, you're absolutely right. He like he's the guy who takes on all challenges and doesn't really, you know, he just wants to fight. He's the badass. Yes, yes, and then uh, knows your home alarm system as well. So that has been, that was switched. Did you like the the change? I I mean I certainly enjoyed it uh, after seeing the match. Yeah, Le leading into it, it was just like yeah, whatever. I I was happy that Andrade and Ray uh weren't wasn't on the kickoff. Sure. Then we had the newest member of our panel introduced, uh, swapping out Beth Phoenix and replaced by Christian, who came on, mm -hmm. did all right, came in, just cracking yeah. jokes. He had some jokes. I, he, he was certainly, like, thrown off towards the end when they had to rap and do that, like, you know, the hard sell at the end. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think being a panelist is one of 
the tougher spots on air. I think it's a very yeah. tough position to ease yourself into. So I thought he did fine. I thought Beth did pretty well as well. Man, Chris, you know, like Edge must must feel so left out. His wife and his best friend getting to be on this thing. And Do you think Edge is at home saying, man, that could be me on the panel? No. So Christian's introduced, remained on for the, the rest of the kickoff show. And then we go backstage for a selfie promo. Ricochet and Aleister Black. It was Ricochet staring into his phone and gave the most memorized grouping of words talking about moments oh my god man i like i i never thought ricochet was a bad promo like watching his stuff in nxt i thought he was totally serviceable but like seeing him in this like scripted content uh context doing a selfie promo he couldn't have looked like more of a geek the only saving grace i would say about this segment was that it was not alistair black holding the cell phone in selfie mode because i thought that would totally kill his character here in the WWE, it's all about moments and creating smiles on children's faces before they fade to black. That would have been really tough. Yeah. I thought that Ricochet just sounded so painful. Yeah, Aleister Black was given a lot of tough dialogue, but I thought to his credit, I thought that he did his best with what was given to him, which is very far from the Aleister Black character, but I, I thought that he... That's that's the nicest I'm going to go as to say he did the best he could with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't want Ricochet or I don't want Alistair Black in any type of uh, Snapchat selfie promo anything like that. That dude should not have a cell phone at all. He should be too busy. Like, I don't know with, um, like, uh, vampire shit. He's off the he clock. Does. Like this is this was an hour and a half after five. So and on a Sunday, no less, his yeah. day of rest, and he had to work. Then Caleb Braxton interviewed Kevin Owens, and he was confronted by the New Day, and Kofi Kingston said he does not have a problem with Owens, who took his spot, and wishes him luck. And Owens is very grateful for that. And as the New Day is getting ready for Woods and Biggie's tag match, uh, an assistant came over and told Kofi that the McMahon family wants to see Kingston regarding the WWE title match. And everyone got excited that you're getting put back into the match. Everybody on screen did, which tells everybody at home that obviously this wasn't happening. Except for Kofi. Kofi believed this was his right. moment. Yeah. Forget winning the Royal Rumble. I'm going to get it in a meeting. They were also, I thought, working pretty hard to have Kofi give his approval to Kevin Owens so that, you know... I mean, any babyface in that match was going to have a tough time, you know, uh, being a babyface in the shadow of Kofi Kingston. So I thought they tried their best with Owens here. And did you see Kevin Owens on uh, WWE Now? No. He did this interview and he said that right near the end of his independent run, he was working with a group in Cleveland known as AIW mm -hmm. and mentioned the promoters, John Thorne and Chandler Biggins, and that uh, Chandler passed away and he was going to dedicate tonight's match mm -hmm. to uh, to Chandler, which was a really wow. cool thing, The this interview. So then we go to the main show and it kicked off with Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Oh, sorry, this was still on the kickoff. I'm sorry. Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev against Big E and Xavier Woods. Uh, because of the elimination of Rey Mysterio and Andrade they had a lot of time here 
Nakamura, Nakamura and Rusev had the advantage for quite a while, even though they had a cutaway to a commercial. There was a spot in the back with The Miz with his dad and Shane McMahon. Saxton is explaining how important this match was for both teams' careers. Okay. This is huge. Huge stakes attached for this kickoff match. Lana got onto the apron as they were going for up, up, down, down, and behind the referee's back, Xavier Woods was knocked down and then got caught with Nakamura and Rusev as he attempted a Topicon hero. They caught him, dropped him on the floor, and then rolled him in. He was put into the accolade, which was released after Big E attacked Nakamura on the floor, distracting Rusev, and it ended with Big E being tagged in. They got the advantage on Rusev and this time hit up, up, down, down, and they pinned Rusev at 13 minutes and 16 seconds. I thought this was a good match, you know, good back and forth. These guys were given a ton of near falls, which I think is one of the benefits of being the lone match on a kickoff. They got a lot of time to tell a big story. Uh, it was nice to see Big E and Woods perform again. I think, you know, those two have really taken a back seat, not just because, not just due to the lack of spots available, but because they've been essentially, you know, side characters to this Kofi Kingston storyline. So hopefully, you know, with this win, perhaps it puts, you know, with Kofi going for a singles belt, maybe it it focuses Big E and Woods as uh, like a bona fide tag team uh, within that that faction. Um I thought Rusev and Nakamura as a team, I'm actually kind of kind of starting to like them in ring. You know, they've been developing in this match some double team moves. They're working on a bit of chemistry. But as personalities, I think they might be both men. They might be at their most generic since they've debuted at the WWE. I really don't know why they're together still. Lana's still walking with that ankle uh, boot. And beyond that, they just feel like such generic villains right now. Yeah, I think two guys that at different points over the last few years were super hot. They've cooled off considerably, and this is probably the best spot for them as a tag team rather than uh, not being focused on at all. Yeah, but a generic tag team, though, you know, I I'd love for them to at least have some type of story or some type of team name. Give me something. Well, they just lost uh, a huge match for their career arc. So that's going to be a big setback. I mean, they're, they're probably just going to get split up. More so, I, I keep thinking that the SmackDown tag division is going to be one of those big clusters at WrestleMania, and they'll find a spot sure. in a match like that. Not not a very prominent one. They might not even get a spot, honestly. What a fall for Nakamura, year over year. Yeah. From, from Dallas to getting the call up in 2017, the night after Mania, to last year with AJ, and this year. there's mm -hmm. He's not going to be in anything meaningful. The Usos versus Shane McMahon and The Miz kicked off the main show. And The Miz, not surprisingly, got a very strong reaction in Cleveland, came out. Uh, when he was tagged in, he show, showed off his Cleveland is awesome t-shirt. In Brown's colors. I love the insecurity that, man, what if they don't cheer me? I need a backup in case. I've, I've got to play the hometown card really, really heavy. Yeah. Uh, Shane came in. He did the Bret Hart pose before hitting the heart attack. Yeah, I, I didn't really understand the connection there. Why why the heart attack? I guess he felt, uh, I'm turning tonight. This is my last chance to do the babyface heart attack move and steal it from Natalia for one night. Is it that big of a baby, like, known tag team babyface? <laughs> Miz, we got to hit this. This is our last chance to I, yeah, hit the heart attack. I, I didn't really know the connection with that. Well, he was going to give Miz's dad a heart attack later. Oh, oh man. man. You so stopped Shane in the corner. 
they had the advantage for a while. Then, as I said, Miz got the got the big tag, but he was cut off with a double super kick. Miz hit a skull crushing finale to Jimmy, but the referee was dealing with Shane, so he was late making the count. So Jimmy kicked out, and then Miz gets his neck snapped on the top rope. Jimmy is. Uh, Jay is laid out in the corner, so Shane climbs to the top, teasing the coast-to-coast dropkick, but Jimmy climbs to the opposite corner, and they both jump in mid-air. I didn't know what the hell they were doing. Remember that commercial when you had the two bulls that just run their heads into one another? It was a game of chicken. Yeah, that's what this was. Um, And I guess it ended with Shane kind of dropkicking Jimmy, but this just looked like a insane idea i don't know how you come up with something like this in your head i thought this was awesome like i thought it was a spectacular spot but i mean i think what they were trying to do was they found themselves in perfect position for shane to hit the coast to coast on one opponent while uh i believe it was jay uh in perfect position to hit the splash on the miz so it was like are you gonna go first or or am i gonna go first so i guess like they both decided to go but i guess shane called jay's move and instead of going for the coast to coast went more towards Jay's direction and intercepted them in midair with a dropkick. I thought it was awesome. Well, maybe maybe games of chicken are much better than his jiu-jitsu play that we'd see exposed later on. Miz then had an opening, and he followed the advice of his father. He climbed to the top rope, and he went for a frog splash. But Jimmy got his knees up, cradled Miz, and covered him. 14 minutes and 9 seconds, and the Usos retained. I liked the match a lot. I thought certainly the crowd reaction was already enough to make this thing this thing feel very special. But I thought that, you know, that great high spot with Shane and, and Jey Uso really took it up a notch. Uh, the atmosphere in this match was great, and I thought everything these guys did clicked. The crowd was very hot. I thought that was the the, the biggest positive of the match. And they were super heated for, for the Miz. I think that worked very well. And... Shane and Miz are on the floor right in front of the Miz's dad. Each lifts the other's arm up and Miz hugs his dad. Shane gives him a hug as well. And then Miz turns and he's looking frustrated. And then Shane just blasts him from behind. And the crowd is pissed at Shane McMahon. He tore off Miz's Cleveland t-shirt, wiped his face with it. Then Shane grabs the Miz's father who had the same reaction of being told, uh, sir, um, we're having a high volume of orders at the moment. Your pizza is going to be about 15 minutes late. They kept cutting to this dude in the crowd. He has one expression. None. One expression only. Dude, the Keanu Reeves of facial reactions here. Oh, man. But oh, the crowd, my God. Like, I mean, he's obviously like a hometown hero to, to this audience because they reacted every time they cut to him. Then Shane, in front of Miz's dad, grabbed the Miz and applied what will go down in history as the worst inverted triangle in history. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a wrestling inverted triangle, you know? I thought this looked uh, really goofy. I and mean, the, it's like, is it any worse than the disarmor? Uh, this just looks silly, because they did the close-up, where Miz is like, just, he's fine. Like, there, there's no, there's, it's not even tight. It's not even... It's a wrestling triangle, though. Well, is the Hell's Gate a tight move? Uh, that looked a hell of a lot better than this. This just looked like something from hell. Mm. The crowd chanted for Miz as Shane left. And there we have our Mania program. Shane making his heel turn 
I guess they picked the right city to do it in. Oh my god, yeah. I thought it was kind of refreshing to see like a heel turn that didn't get cheered by this audience. Like typically That's true, that's a risk. Any type of heel beatdown is like, you know, a babyface move these days. But here, I mean, with the Miz they certainly played with our expectations. You know, Miz is, of course, the the traditional heel. He's the one I think everybody expected to turn. I, if you're just maybe you know watching and picking one of the two, a hundred percent. And I thought Miz played it really well too throughout this entire story. Like you know, being a babyface, but sometimes I thought being so over the top corny as a babyface that you felt like he was all doing this in order to turn on Shane. But instead, it was Shane who has always been the nice McMahon. And really kind of showed no signs of like any type of hatred towards Miz being the one to turn. And I, I thought overall, everything they did from, I mean, best in the world tournament aside, I still can't really excuse all that. But from, you know, the team up to this point, I thought it was very The well team's done. been very good. Yeah. I think this is a perfect example of a match that should probably be less than 10 minutes at WrestleMania. Sure. Historically, Miz is a horrendous babyface. I'm really hoping mm. he can channel Miz and Mrs. Babyface Miz. Mm. Sure. And I, I think this is a I'm going to remain open minded here because I think the Miz is it's very tough to for him to be the baby face. But we've seen it on Miz and Mrs. that this guy has a well, you, you tell me. Like I don't watch do, that show, actually. I thought you did watch that. show. I watched one episode. Well, I know he's he's got a very likable charisma. Sure. But um, it's never translated on television on WWE television in terms of a baby face role. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland is one thing. Can they translate this all the way to, to WrestleMania? That's another question. And I think in-ring will be another question as well because we know uh, Shane McMahon can have great matches against great opponents like like an AJ Styles at WrestleMania. But I've also seen Shane against lesser opponents like The Undertaker for most of that Hell in a Cell match that was terrible. I'm not looking so. forward to this match. I'm uh, What I'm hoping for is that they have a great story over the next four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is my hope. Uh, we also now have three heel McMahons. Yeah. With babyface Paul. Uncle Paul. Hunter the, being the exception. Yes. And and I guess Stephanie, whatever she feels like on a certain day. I guess you're right. Yes. Yeah. It depends. I mean, as her Twitter bio says, I play a villain on television. Mm. Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, and Baron Corbin did their own version of the Shields promo with the camera moving to each of them and then throwing it on the ground at the end. As an editor, did you did you like this uh, this artistic choice for the faux shield? Is 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 kind of their shield thing? The originators of the selfie promo, the shield. Yeah, but they don't use cell phones. They they just it's more like holding, putting your hand on the lens, which is what they do for all their selfie promos, actually. Even when you have to go. Um, Take your hands off the phone and it magically stays up. Yeah, which they've done too. Yeah. Elias was in the ring for his first of three in-ring segments. The first one, he just insulted Cleveland and mentioned going to hang out with LeBron James. And they cut away. I thought this was going to be our only involvement of Elias, but we had mm-hmm. several of them. Asuka versus Mandy Rose. Asuka was back working at the house shows this weekend. Asuka's going for submissions early on, and then Sonya Deville distracted Asuka, leading to Rose hitting her flying knee. Asuka fired back with slaps, and then she missed Rose and landed on the middle rope, allowing Mandy to take over. Then Deville got a kendo stick from underneath the ring. The kendo stick never came into play, but in doing this, Sonya Deville lifted up the ring skirt and left it on the apron. So when Mandy ran the ropes... She, her footing was thrown off from the ring skirt 
being on the apron, and that set up the match-finishing spin kick from Asuka as she retained the title in 6 minutes and 41 seconds. I remember when they had their match on television, and you particularly did not like that match. I did not think it was very good either. But I heard from many people who thought it was good. And I thought, maybe I missed something. And I wrote my preview today, and I read that, you know, or I wrote that Mandy's in a great spot here to really showcase something. I don't think she's going to win, but she can have a really great performance and then lose. She did not. I thought this was awful. I didn't think this was awful. But tell me tell me why you did. Uh the finish in particular. I the thought the finish was bad, but that's not on her. I did I didn't think there was much of a match leading up to this. Um yeah. either. It was just I, I don't know. It was uh I, I certainly didn't like the finish either. I thought it may be clever in theory. You know, I could see coming coming up with it in the back thinking, Oh, you know, instead of your typical distraction finish, let's lift up the ring skirt. But I felt like an execution, it was one of those things that didn't connect with this crowd at all because I think it just seemed to leave people thinking, huh, what what happened here? Um, and I thought as a, as a the atmosphere being so hot in the last match kind of made this one seem incredibly cold. Like people just didn't really seem to care about this match. And you can't really blame them for the lack of build that this, you know, Asuka's run in particular has had. But I thought technically these two looked pretty solid together. And, you know, Mandy held, holding, her, holding her own here, working Asuka's pretty stiff style. I don't think this is a match I'll ever remember as once we're done this review. I could say that about probably most most matches that I see. Kofi Kingston, we, he's been outside of Vince McMahon's office for the last hour. Yeah. He's just waiting there. I remember when they used to do these segments with Austin when he was summoned to the office and he just waited out there patiently and uh, eventually Vince got to him. So Big E and Wood show up and they're like, you've been waiting here since the kickoff show. That was over an hour ago. So they just said, come on. And they storm into the office and Vince McMahon's just sitting there. And Vince says, well, I've been waiting for him to come. Yeah, what was this? So they all both Kofi just... looked like such a geek here. They've both just been waiting for the other. Like what was the Kofi not knock? Was the idea that Vince has been ignoring him? I guess the idea was that they needed to justify the length of time between that kickoff segment to now, and the fact that you didn't see the interaction until now, and they they explained it because I think it was obvious that they were that Vince was just fucking with this guy. Was he fucking with him though? Well, look what he gives him after this. Well, but Vince teases him with a title shot that he's not getting. But Vince himself was just in there waiting, doing nothing. Maybe he heard the knock and ignored it. Okay. Why would Kofi show up there and not even knock? I don't. Questions way we don't, too we way don't too much to depth ask. that we're giving this. So, I thought Big E and Xavier Woods gave a really spirited defense of Kofi and pled his case to Vince McMahon that you've been searching for your next star and he's been here the whole time for eleven years. It's Kofi Kingston, and Vince says, "Well, you know what? We're gonna make that WWE title match a three way." And they assume this means Kofi has been added. Yeah. Somehow in all of this, another wrestler <laughs> benefited from all of this. Yeah. I didn't quite understand Vince connecting the dots here to lead to his decision to make it a three-way. Maybe it was just, just he just wanted to screw with them and find some other guy. Yeah. So Kofi is sent out to the ring for his match. But then Greg Hamilton, the announcer, states it is not a three-way. It is a handicap match, and it's not for the WWE title. It's against Sheamus and Cesaro. Mm-hmm. 
So Kofi just stood there and waited and said, okay, well, I guess I'm having my handicap match. The bar came out and they just beat down Kofi forever. The crowd is chanting, this is boring. Sheamus hits a brogue kick. Then they're setting up for another. When Woods and Biggie run down, they get attacked on the on the aisle by Nakamura and Rusev with Nakamura laying out one of them with the Kinshasa. And then the bar hits white noise and they both stand on top of Kofi Kingston and pin him in five minutes, 11 seconds. Yeah, they did this. Um, I think interesting decision to have, you know, maybe your top babyface on SmackDown go into WrestleMania with a squash match where he's just beaten up by by two people. Um, Not just two people. Sheamus and Cesaro. Sheamus and Cesaro. It's interesting. I mean, you know, clearly I feel like a lot of the thinking here was to set up the reaction that, you know, the... Kofi would receive later on in the evening. Like they are giving this guy the Daniel Bryan underdog push. Let's squash him like as much as we can so that the crowd continues to see him as this underdog that's unapproved. Uh what did you think? Did you think it was successful? I mean, there's no doubt that the they got the audi- the audience to react the way they wanted to. Changing they, for Kofi. Um, did they need this, the, you know? The lengths at which they went to, I think, were unnecessary at times on this show. Like, I, I think that there was way too much overthinking that went into this that we started from this position that they wanted Kofi. And yet, at the end of it, we were still there, but there was a lot thrown in there that hmm. um, ah, put, put guys in a lot of bad positions, too. Yeah, I, 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 watching this, I certainly didn't really understand, you know, what, why this needed to be here. I think there's, like, a, there's as a significant po- lack, uh, or significant uh, amount of overthinking uh, into all of this, and also just filling a lot of time until WrestleMania. Yeah. That we're getting, especially in the in the the three way women's program. That if this was a shorter build, I don't think they would be overthinking to the degree they are. That it's getting very cloudy. At the same time, instead of maybe doing this, could they have had Kofi get a really strong win yes. over somebody? And would that have altered the reaction later on? I wanted some defiance from Kofi Kingston. Like he's treated like this goof that just is waiting for an hour for an hour for Vince McMahon to open his door. Like just a total like employee that's scared to upset the boss. Mm -hmm. Then he gets beat here. Yeah. Defeats these two. Doesn't hurt those two. Like they're that's the bar. Yeah. And Kofi's pissed. And we're seeing that edge come out that this is. The Kofi Kingston that has sat by for 11 years and he is not waiting one more time yeah. while everyone else surpasses him. You would hope that after this, you know, being screwed into like losing a handicap match to the bar that we would see that Kofi the next time we see him. But we'll see. You would hope that he's going to beat these two on television uh, over the but next like, few do, weeks. Doing it in like, you know, crazy, like aggressive fashion. Backstage, Charlie interviewed Bailey and Sasha, and Bailey told Kofi that he inspires them and to just keep fighting. And they were asked about being underdogs, even though they're the champions, and they believe they will overcome their challengers tonight. Elias did another bit, praising the Pittsburgh Steelers. That drew heat. And Kayla knocked on the McMahon's door, and Shane McMahon answered. And Kayla asked, can you explain your heinous actions against The Miz? And Shane said... SmackDown isn't going to tune into itself. So watch on Tuesday. We got to get our numbers up for Fox. And that was it. Shut the door in her face and said nothing. Totally fine. 
they went through the uh, the international broadcast teams, and uh, Shun Yamaguchi, the mm-hmm. br- the younger brother of Wally Yamaguchi, was calling the show, which wow. I imagine would have been a very difficult broadcast. Mm-hmm. And that took us to the three-way Raw tag title match. The Revival versus Bobby Roode and Chad Gable versus Ricochet and Aleister Black. Match I was looking forward to a lot. Dawson and Wilder got the heat on Ricochet, cut the ring off. He fought back. It built up to a shooting star press onto Wilder. Rude broke that cover up. Everyone's on the floor. Rude climbs, uh, Ricochet climbs to the top, but gets stopped by Dawson. And then Ricochet and Dawson fought on the turnbuckle. And it ended with Ricochet hitting this Hurricane Rana where Dawson hit the edge of the apron. Ricochet looked like he fell down. This was not exactly smooth uh, with everyone involved. Ricochet did this dive over the corner post to the floor and in midair Gable blind tagged himself in and he ended up being double teamed by the revival and it ended with the shatter machine at 10 minutes and 50 seconds with the revival retaining the tag titles. I thought they did as good as they could, but um, in 10 minutes it was, I thought it was tough with the the time they had, but a good match. I thought, yeah, I thought it was really good. I think way above the quality of your usual main roster pay-per-view tag matches, you know, Gable, Rude, and the Revival in there already are pretty good together. But again, like with the addition of Ricochet and Aleister Black, it greatly heightens the quality of everything. It makes everybody look better. So uh, to me, Ricochet was certainly the star here. They had him, uh, you know, after the, the match, They um, Ricochet and Black laid everybody out. So yes. the goal is to still protect these guys. They clearly, cl- clearly didn't want to give them the belts, probably for like a litany of reasons with them being on NXT and everything like that. Um, but I think right now the goal seems to be to, you know, establish Ricochet and uh, establish Aleister Black to the audience while, you know, making, give, letting them perform in ring and, and enhancing the in-ring quality. And I think they're doing a decent job of that. But the tag team division on Raw still has a long way to go before its reputation can be changed. And I think from now until after Mania, it's just going to kind of be in this like, you know mid-card state that nobody really cares about until you do the whole shakeup. I don't even know if there's there's a raw tag title match at WrestleMania. I mean, they could be in a battle royal. Yeah. It's If you put Black and Ricochet with the SmackDown team, it's like, this is the division. It's Rude and Gable, and that's it as yeah. the challengers. And then you get into the comedy teams. Um, you're right. They did protect Black and Ricochet after where uh, first it was Rude hitting one of the Revival members with the glorious DDT. Then we got a Black Mass and a 630. So um, letting the challengers lay out the champions afterward. Yes. Samoa Joe, Andrade, Rey Mysterio, and R-Truth for the United States title. Joe hit a Tope Suicida, and then Mysterio hit one of many Hurricane Ranas, the first one being a springboard into a double Rana onto Andrade and R-Truth. Uh, I thought Rey Mysterio looked awesome in this mm-hmm. match. Yeah. Uh, we had Truth hoist up Andrade on his shoulders. Rey came off the ropes with a Hurricane Rana to Andrade. Andrade hit the three amigos onto Rey, which got a lot of heat. And then the gory special. Uh, Truth broke that up. And then Carmella attacked Vega on the floor. And then in the ring, Joe landed the Uranage onto Ray, but Truth and Andrade broke that up. Truth did his John Cena spots, including the five knuckle shuffle. And then it was left with Joe and Ray. Ray Mysterio hit the 619 and then went for the springboard leg drop, but Joe got out of the way, applied the coquina clutch, and Ray Mysterio passed out as Joe retains the title. 10 minutes, 47 seconds. Um, I was somewhat surprised that it was Ray that ended up being the one to get beat here. I would think that making this a four-way, 
Uh, it almost felt like, well, we don't want to have a conclusive finish to Andrade Ray that our truth is the sacrificial lamp, but apparently not. I guess you still don't really have a conclusive finish to that feud. I guess if you have an idea of continuing that program, why why beat Ray or Andrade? When our truth seems like he's yeah, the e- unless they want to really push this that our truth has not been beaten yet for this title, he hasn't lost any of the falls. Maybe but it's that yeah, that to me is just quick TV match. Yeah, uh, who knows? Who knows if they'll even continue Andrade versus Ray? You know, if that was the reason why they wanted to do this instead, right? It it just might be another SmackDown match that you'll end up seeing without any real motivation for them to do anything with them at Mania. I don't know. But as as this match goes, I thought this was a fantastic match. It was my favorite match on the card so far. Non-stop action. I thought everybody brought something to the table. Everybody hit their spots flawlessly. Rey Mysterio, again, like I think it needs to be said on this run at his age, how impressive it is it is that he continues to, to still be so innovative with a lot of like things I haven't seen him do before in his entire career and pulling it off like to me, he outshone everybody in this match. And that's that's no impressive, like no easy feat when you're talking about all these people here. So, um, you know, even somebody like Truth, I thought looked excellent here as well. So this was a match where you certainly don't have the importance of like a big singles feud with, with an actual build. But I still think it really deserves to be seen. You know, I thought you had a wonderful performance from everybody here. Yeah, I thought great, great performance from Ray. I love Joe as champion and... Perhaps one of the reasons of keeping this R-Truth thing going is that that is the way you can set up. If if Cena is being paired with Joe, Joe murdering R-Truth is kind of the way to get there. Could be. You could do. So, um, very strong match, I thought, the four-way. Sasha Banks and Bayley versus Nia Jax and Tamina for the WWE Women's Tag Titles, and they brought out Beth Phoenix on commentary. Tamina and Jax missed Bailey, and both of them ran their shoulders into the post consecutively. That's a first. I've never seen the combination together. Uh, Banks came off the top with a meteora onto Jax, then a high cross to Tamina, and it ended with Bailey diving to them on the floor. Bailey was left into the ring, and Jax hoisted her up for a powerbomb. It was turned into a Hurricane Rana, and Bailey hooked the leg, pinning Nia Jax in seven minutes, two seconds. Um, I, I thought this was just. You know, it was just a match. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good match. I thought there were some sloppy spots there. Like, that's kind of typical for a lot of women's matches, sad to say. But there was nothing here that really affected the match quality for me. I'm, I'm really not expecting a ton from Nia and Tamina matches. But I think they have wonderful chemistry with these two as baby faces. And I think the two of them play great power bases for high flyers which you know means they add a whole lot to everybody in this division because they tower over everybody so i i I think as a tag team i like both of them a whole lot more than uh, the two of them as single stars i also thought beth did a good job on commentary as well i thought she added a, a lot to the match certainly more than you know graves or even renee do in these situations yeah i didn't come into this match with low expectations not uh astronomical either um I just, I guess it just didn't reach where I thought they were capable of, of hitting. So afterwards, they're on the floor and Beth Phoenix stands up and she gets into Tamina's face and they're exchanging words and then they start attacking Beth Phoenix and they're beating her down. Her cell phone falls out. That's the sign of a huge angle because now Beth can't text anybody to come help her. And she's being beaten down in the ring and... 
outruns Natalia. She gets beaten down as well. And it seemed to be coming out of this, um, either a tag match between these two or some larger match involving multiple women's tag teams for WrestleMania. But it looks like Beth Phoenix probably doing WrestleMania. Looks like it, yeah. And, and this crowd reacted to it. You know, they they recognize the connection between her and Natalia, and I think it's a great addition to the division. You know, let's be honest, like, the tag team titles and the division doesn't necessarily have a bunch of really great cha- like challengers right now. Not Not many teams that are established that, you know... Even, like, a team like the the Riot Squad, like, it's hardly, I would say, a big enough name that, that you can use as a marquee attraction for a WrestleMania match. I'm not saying Beth Phoenix and Natalia are either, but I think there's a novelty to seeing Beth Phoenix come back for, like, a one-night-only pairing with Natalia that makes it that much more special. So I, I welcome it. I'll go one further. With the reaction this got and kind of her involvement on television, at the end of this, I was thinking that... This could be something that could be much more valuable to an Asuka, that Beth challenges her, Asuka accepts, and it's almost Asuka could start playing a bit of a heel character. Like, she's offended that this woman thinks she can come and hang with her. I'm I'm down for that. Asuka's got nothing. Yeah. I mean, I I certainly don't necessarily hear, like, dream match scenarios being batted around with Beth Phoenix, but, like, given proper build, and and especially... For four weeks? Yeah, it's like Oscar desperately needs something. I don't think like that's that. a that's a WrestleMania program though for Oscar, like w- with Beth. What is though for Oscar? Like I I don't even know where she fits I mean, in. I hear Lacey Evans might need an opponent, which I think I don't understand at all. But uh, <laughs> what's that? Oh, sorry, I was just moving. A, I, I was not trying to make a reference. Oh, okay, okay. I literally you just dropped a, a dime. You put a dime on your mouse pad. Well, in anyway, but um. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's it's more of a tag team thing they're doing with Natalia. Oh, that's right obviously yeah. what they're doing. I just, a, a, after this, I, after thought, this, sure. I was yeah. thinking like, wow, I think you could do even more with Beth. Yeah. So uh, that, that got over pretty well. And then we go to the WWE title match. Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens are out, but at the beginning they announced it is still a three-way match. And the third man is Mustafa Ali. And it was Rey Mysterio coming out number 30 was, all over again. It was Dave Bautista winning that Royal Rumble. Like, good luck to, to the any baby face in this position. Now, before we go on, there was a way that you could have inserted Mustafa Ali in here. I wouldn't have done it as the surprise when everyone was expecting Kofi. Mm. You just put him out there to die. Yeah. And I thought he did very good considering what they put him up against. But, like, there's an easy way to set this up they never once brought up that he pinned brian on television not all that long ago like there's a reason he gets into this match logically but if people know ahead of time he's in the match they're not booing it it's because of the expectation of kofi and this whole story with kofi tonight i just think it was way more harm than good number one i don't think they they themselves remember that that he it was only like it was like christmas time that he beat him yeah i don't really understand you know doing this as a surprise other than to you know again encourage this audience to give this you know we want kofi reaction i mean they got that i just feel that it was but but at the expense of you know putting mustafa ali in this position i just think you, you were trying to accomplish way too much in this that we want everybody to want this kofi thing which is fine that's your mania program we also do not want to beat kevin owens that was pretty clear in this. Yeah. And it was like, well, a, a lot of this was screwed up. 
I almost wonder by the end of this why you didn't just put Mustafa Ali as the replacement and save Kevin Owens for this week to come back on TV for whatever he's doing at WrestleMania. Like, why was he brought back for this? Was my question at the end. Because he was supposed to have the Mania program. But not the Fastlane program. Like, he just had no business being on this show. Yeah. When all was said and done, I had no idea why it was chosen other than, well, we're not going to do that match at Mania. We might as well do it now. And we didn't even do it. We did a three-way. And I did think this was a very good match. Mm -hmm. And I give these three a lot of credit because this crowd was just, they did not want to enjoy this. They just wanted to be in this, well, we're not getting Kofi Kingston like you teased. Fuck Mm -hmm. it. Yep. And that's what these guys had to overcome. And I thought they all worked really hard in this. Absolutely. Um, they're chanting for Kofi. Um, so Ali returns minutes later after he's knocked off the turnbuckle into the barricade from a running Brian kick. And I thought Mustafa Ali was dead when he hit this barricade. This would not be, if I'm coming back from a concussion, this is not the one I'm raising my hand to volunteer to take. I probably wouldn't be doing uh the old five four either if i was coming back from a concussion this oh. is i mean this is this dude's style this man. was nuts uh he returned later uh at one point he was on owen's back and owens did the senton with ali dropping onto brian that part looked cool owens hit a spanish fly onto brian off the top and then missed with the 054 owens then went for the stunner but the cover was broken up and ali then hit a 450 splash onto the edge of the apron on daniel bryan mm. Rowan tries to get involved. He's attacked by Owens and Ali with Owens landing a somersault onto the floor. And then Ali and Brian fight on the turnbuckle. It ends with a big spinning DDT from Ali to the floor. And then Owens hit Ali with a apron bomb. Rowan's Rowan takes Owens out of the match, throwing him into the timekeepers area. And that leaves Brian and Ali to trade slaps. Ali jumps off the middle turnbuckle for a moonsault. And in midair, he gets hit with the running knee strike from Brian Awesome looking finish. And Brian pins him at 18 minutes and 41 seconds. I thought under normal circumstances, this was a very good match. I give them uh, added praise for the awful corner that they were painted into in this match. And we're pretty much just thrown out there to be sacrificed for the larger Kofi demand Mm -hmm. from the audience. Um, I I thought these three just did a really great job. I completely agree with everything you said. I mean, imagine if this was like... No offense if this was like Randy Orton versus Sheamus, you know, in this position or, or something. There's like a that. lot of matches that would have God, died a goddamn death. That in this would spot. have been terrible. But because these three are so talented, they had this crowd going from we want Kofi and chanting this is boring to them going absolutely nuts for everything they were doing here by the end of this match. Mustafa Ali, again, for somebody putting this death spot as a baby face, I thought he completely turned the crowd's opinion around. But then again, that's nothing new for him. Like, this guy had to do this pretty much. All those 205 Live guys have to do this pretty much every every time, every single week that, th- that they go out there. He absolutely improved the quality of this match. I'm sure Owen versus Owens versus Brian would have been excellent. But I think putting Ali in there, to me, definitely made the match better. I thought so, too. Brian, man, I love watching his heel work, you know, not just on the mic, but in ring as well. I think he's like starting to like introduce so many more like, you know, sinister pauses in between all of his moves. He really has no trouble kind of like conveying that like more sadistic side of this character. And I think it's amazing because like it wasn't that long ago where this dude was like the best baby face, you know, on on your product. So he continues to really impress me in this run. I got I thought Owen's great in ring, but. The character is so 
nothing right now. And granted, it's only been like three weeks, but man, it's been like, a confusing three weeks. Yeah, like is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? In the end, I just almost don't even really care. So I'm, you know, now that this match is out of the way, I'm very curious to see how they position him. If I, if it were me, I would just put him back as a heel. I'm curious what happens with Owens and Ali at WrestleMania. I hope Ali gets something notable at yeah. WrestleMania. I hope it's not he's just one of the forgotten numbers uh, that are just accounted for with a presence on the show. I mean, like that that kind of mid-card uh, U.S. ladder match it's or something like that, you know. But but if there is like any type of ladder match, I think it'd be a perfect thing for him. So, yeah, I, I thought they, they over-delivered. Uh, and this could have been really bad and would have been detrimental i think to owens comeback to be in a match that just is totally panned this is my favorite match of the show yeah i, th I think that there's a great argument to make that it was um yeah I'd, I'd say it was my match of the show too um so afterwards rowan choke slammed ollie and then they uh moved on to that with the video package for the women's match which was going to be going on second from the top and based on how it was laid out it made all the sense in the world why Absolutely. this did not close the show <laughs> yeah. there would have been a goddamn riot if this closed the show oh boy God. this fucking match becky comes out on her crutch and it's a it's a well it's not a no holds barred match in fact many holds are barred including run-ins and Becky is bound by her hold harmless agreement. Mm -hmm. So the match begins. Charlotte goes after the knee and this attack went on forever. Charlotte is trash talking throughout this whole thing, just yelling so that everyone in the arena can hear her. Becky finally knocks Charlotte off the apron into the barricade. They go back into the ring. Becky gets a hope spot by applying the disarmor, but Charlotte breaks free and she sets up for the figure eight and Ronda Rousey sprints down. I don't know what it was, but her sprint, it was like so coordinated. It was exactly like how a run-in was on like WWF No Mercy when someone would run in for the Royal Rumble. And it's just like this mechanical run down the apron or down the aisle. I don't know. That's why I, that's what I thought of during this. So Ronda runs in and she starts attacking Becky Lynch. She... By attack, she threw one punch. She threw one punch yeah, threw to one Becky Lynch. And then the, stood off and looked, just started to look smug. Yeah. The bell is rung. Becky wins by DQ at 8.45. Rhonda is just giving the smirk like she totally outsmarted this stupid system. And Becky has now won. She is now in the match. And this, this cheap DQ was more significant than her Royal Rumble win. This got her the match. <laughs> I don't know. When is the Royal Rumble meant less than in this particular match buildup? Yeah, totally. No. I, I think in hindsight, like that night, Becky loses to Asuka and then she wins the Royal Rumble. Like, I almost wonder if they should have just had like Charlotte win the Royal Rumble and Becky's yeah. been fighting her way this whole time. Like it's been Rhonda has been slowly turning heel while giving the audience what they want by getting Becky into this match. Uh, oh. Like, I'm sorry, this thing has taken a bad. I still believe 
people want to see this and yeah. it's going to get a big reaction the day of the show but don't tell me that this has been b- a booking no, genius it's that this has been all culminating it's significantly cooled off for me at least you know when when like i thought like months past it was undeniable that this should main event and i still feel like it should main event but i mean the kofi stuff is way hotter than than the becky stuff right now and I mean, if you like just sat down and mapped out all the beats of this storyline from January on, I think it would look a lot like the Sasha Bailey feud from 2017, 2018. Like it'd be a fucking mess. So um, I hated this finish. I thought it sucked. This was I like mean, the worst, given the stakes of this, like, yeah, there, there were worse matches on the show. But this was the biggest letdown on the show. Definitely. You're also like you promoted this singles match that's coming off of that evolution match. Like I'm yeah. sorry, you have a certain expectation level. Of course. Um, this it was not good. I just didn't understand it because I thought Becky looked like such a coward coming out of this. When Becky was celebrating the win, the win that, you know, in a match that she got beaten the shit out of, yeah, I know she's injured and whatever, but you still won a match because somebody attacked you in the face. And you're celebrating that win. You know, she's she's laughing at Charlotte as a result of it. I thought Becky came across like such a coward. To me, it baby-faced Ronda as well. Because Ronda is somebody who's giving the audience exactly what they want. By having Becky, like putting Becky Lynch in the match. That totally goes against what Ronda's been trying to do over the past, you know, couple weeks in every single town in that video. By trying to be a complete heel to this audience. I didn't understand all that. And I thought it made Charlotte look like a complete idiot as well. I don't think anybody came out of uh, out of this really looking good. I mean, the match itself was like, you know, kind of pretty simple body part storytelling, you know, but the finish just is what I'm leaving away with. And it totally killed everything else. For I me. think it was the low point on the show for most was this finish. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, you know, you have the match book now. And I think that the, these these next four weeks, I, I think that they've kind of got a course they correct a little. be off a of TV. That's my hope. And so that they can they can do no more damage to what was already, you know, something that the fans already really wanted. I think they're really, they are working overtime to get these desired reactions that I think you need a fresh set of eyes and ears that can just, like, listen, we have a baby face chasing a title. There's a woman that we, is holding the title that we expect to be leaving afterwards. And Charlotte is involved in this too. This is not the most complicated story in the world. The the bare bones of this, people want to like live vicariously through Becky and see her big title win at WrestleMania. Yeah, and they're really let's not make this so they're, fucking complicated. They're greatly jeopardizing all of that. Like you fucking nailed it on the head with the Shield thing, where it was like, you know, I, I it's too bad they didn't have more time to build up this reunion. No, they one night was all they needed for that that reunion. Because this this program is certainly showing you the the negative of long term in this current incarnation. So that concluded that, uh, and then they announced for Monday night on Raw we will have the face to face between Triple H and Batista and Bobby Lashley defending the Intercontinental Title against Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. Big title match. Then Elias returned for one more segment. He insults Cleveland, and then Lacey Evans walks out. Elias is watching her from the ring, and then there's an RKO out of nowhere by Randy Orton, which truly was out of nowhere. I don't think anyone was was expecting this. And on command, there is AJ Styles, ready to hit the phenomenal forearm to Orton, stood over top of him, and I, I like this. I Simple. like it too. Yeah. I like this for guys that don't have a match on the show. You know, I much prefer them to like just 
do something like this, just a quick angle to remind us that, hey, like these guys are still in play rather than trying to cram everybody into a meaningless match on a, on a, on a B pay-per-view. <laughs> there was a funny moment on the kickoff where they interviewed AJ and yeah. Sam Roberts is going, AJ, you've gone from defending the title to fighting for the title to talking about the title. What's no. happened to you? And then AJ is like, I can't be on top all the time. That was it. Yeah. It was just had to be there kind of moment. Main event, The Shield, one last ride, mm -hmm. taking on Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, and Baron Corbin. And The Shield got a very big reaction coming out through the crowd with their old look. Um, yep. Cole mentions uh, Ambrose is not signing a new contract. He said that in the commentary. So, Oh, that, that was the whole story of the match. This yeah. is it. And they were hitting it so hard. This is the last time they're going to team. Mm -hmm. um, it was so important that Dean was able to get that that vest that he burned in the garbage back. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Maybe he had a backup. <laughs> Could have. Uh, Reigns got a huge reaction when he was tagged in and uh, got his part in. Lashley then caught Ambrose with a spear. So they got a, uh, the heat on Ambrose for quite a while here. Eventually, everyone came into the ring. Rollins and Ambrose worked together, hit stereo suicide dives, and then Reigns went for a dive, but got cut off with a deep six by Corbin. So Corbin and Reigns brawled for quite a while, while the other four fought to the kickoff area. Mm. And it culminated with Seth Rollins climbing the balcony and diving onto them and nearly taking out the cameraman as well. Yeah, looked pretty spectacular. Yes. Reigns hit a last ride sit-out powerbomb because he had just watched Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito from earlier today. And then Corbin came back with a Superman, or ate a Superman punch. He kicked out of that. Everyone returns. Ambrose and Rollins prevented the three from hitting a shield powerbomb onto Reigns on the floor. And Rollins stomped Lashley on the announcer's desk. Reigns then speared Corbin on the floor. And it's three-on-one against McIntyre as they put him through the announcer's desk with a shield powerbomb. They... Then uh, gang up on Corbin in the ring, hit the dirty deeds, and then they yell, one last time, and then Rollins screams, one last motherfucking time. Maybe that'll be his new t-shirt. Uh, it would be mother effing time. Yeah, Seth fucking Rollins. Yeah. Rollins uh, proceeded to assist Ambrose and Reigns. They hit the shield powerbomb onto Corbin. Reigns pinned him, 20 mi 24 minutes, 53 seconds, and then they hugged afterwards. Michael Cole was just going so hard. This is their last time together. I think everyone was waiting for an angle. They fisted and went off the air. Yeah. I would say if there is no uh, big angle scheduled for Monday night, this kind of felt like Dean's write-off. Yeah. There's nothing to build upon from this. If they honestly believe he's leaving... Mm -hmm. I wouldn't question not putting him at WrestleMania. So I, I would say if we're talking Monday night and there's no angle shot, mm -hmm. like that would seem like this was kind of the write-off. Yeah, yeah. I think coming out of this, you wonder, you know, what are the plans for Roman? What are the plans for Dean at WrestleMania? Nothing and teased with Roman. You you, not, you couldn't really glean anything from watching this. Um, so. Nothing teased? Like I mean, I, and I, I don't fault them at all because I think maybe priority they considered was to give the crowd a great moment with Roman Reigns. And one last thing with the Shield. And I thought that more than they more than delivered that. I thought it was a good match. It felt special in that sense, you know. The final spots with the with the power bombs all felt very satisfying. Um, 
it it lived up to like the emotional experience that I think they were building between Roman's comeback match as well as the Shield's final match together. I I don't begrudge them for doing this. I mm-hmm. think that sometimes doing the the feel good moment is the way to go. That. Sometimes it, you, you don't need the angle. And what was the yeah. angle going to be? If Dean is really leaving, there's no angle to shoot there. If, if he's not doing a match, then there's no point. I am very curious, like, what Roman's... Like, all I've heard is that there's a plan for Roman, obviously, but I don't know who the opponent is, and mm. there's not the obvious pick. Like, I, mean, I can't see any of these three um, eliciting any kind of any kind of interest for a Roman Reigns singles match. Right. So that's kind of the... Maybe the biggest question for WrestleMania that we don't know mm-hmm. in terms of whatever Roman. I mean, is it's doing. a hand they were just dealt. They didn't know he was going to come back so soon. Yeah. Well, now, like honestly, it, like it, it, it we'll we'll see on Monday what yeah. they do. But I, I think you have to shoot Roman's angle Monday. Mm-hmm. Like you have to kind of figure. Well, I'm sure they have it figured out. But anyway, that was fast lane. Um, I, I go thumbs in the middle on this show. I thought that there, I, I really enjoyed the three way, the four way. Um, but there was also, I, I thought there were some weak matches on this show and I thought the booking of a really significant program in Charlotte and Becky was a big negative on the show. That was a low point for me for sure. But I thought otherwise there were like enough good things on the show between, you know, the main event, which I thought was like emotionally satisfying. I thought the, um, uh, SmackDown, uh, world title match between Brian Mustafa Ali and Kevin Owens, despite maybe how wonky the setup was, the match was fantastic. And the match prior to that with the uh, the uh, Joe versus Truth and, and Andrade and Ray was also really great. And I really like the Miz stuff. So that all all of that together was more than enough to to say for me to say thumbs up. Well, we're gonna be taking uh, we're gonna go to the feedback thread. But if you do want to call in, the number is seven three two eight hundred four four two three. And you can also dial in if you add us on Skype. Just search for Post Wrestling. We can also take Skype calls as well. So Soul free on Skype. Yes, so let's go through feedback, and then uh, I'll chat briefly about the uh, the New Japan Cup. Sure. First, though, we have a poll, John. Ooh, a poll. Always my favorite. What are the uh, 1 through 20? 1 through 20, yeah. All right. I am going to go on this show a 13. I'll go 15. 15? All right. What did everyone have to say? 10.63. That balances out to about maybe a 5.3, so... The the board not agreeing with us thus far. All right. Well, we have our first caller. Uh, who is this calling? Hello, caller. Can you hear us? Hey. Yeah, I don't, man. Good to see you. Oh, my God. Brandon from New Jersey. Always <laughs> the privilege of being the first caller. What's on your mind, man? What did you think of uh, Fastlane? Did you watch Fastlane, Brandon? Of course. Why wouldn't I? I don't know. I, I could totally see you calling in and have not quite seen it yet. Hey, look at Sharp in that flannel. What's up, man? I've been battling the flu all, all for the past few days, but I'm I'm on my road to recovery to WrestleMania. No, oh, well, that's good. Good stuff, on man. The fast lane. Yeah, on the fast lane. <laughs> all right. I thought it was a fun show. Uh, I, I hope I hope Roman is I hope the plan for Roman is not not. Uh, Corbs, uh, I could go. I could go less Corbs uh, in my life uh, if, okay. he, if he's in it. <laughs> it was it was fun, man. I loved it. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. Well, that was our <laughs> our quick recap from from Brandon. Brandon, I appreciate it. Not uh, towards the end of the of the day, I'm I'm happy to talk to you. Come on, please. <laughs> well, we we do have our uh, 
our other feedback to get to as well here. So let, let us start off with Jamie from Leamington. Thought this was a good show, but I don't get this Kofi direction. I know he has to say present, but I feel like the Raw women's title, it's just convoluted and weird. Owens is the babyface, replacing a babyface, and then Ali also gets placed in that role, which puts him in such a horrible spot. And the reaction from the crowd told the story. That said, it was still a very good match, and it felt like they did win the crowd over by the end. I do think that throughout the show, I really wish WWE matches had better storytelling. Having watched plenty of New Japan this weekend, there was nothing as compelling as Umino Tanahashi or as intense as Ishii Nagata. Sure, the technical aspect is often great, but I feel the emotional investment is lacking. Beyond that, I would probably get into Mandy Rose's matches more if the commentary wasn't entirely Corey Graves creepily slobbering over her and ignoring the match. The Raw tag match was a great showcase of how great the division could be if given proper care. I'm glad the NX team got to showcase themselves and still look strong in defeat. US title match was really enjoyable, not surprising given the talent, but they made the best of being a throwaway match. Women's tag was good given the lack of heat. Nia Tamina versus Beth Natty would be enjoyable at WrestleMania and Lynch Charlotte was what it was. Six man at the end was great. We go to Zubin who says, evening gents, pretty okay show in general. Intriguing twist in the Shane Miz saga. Poor Miz got absolutely potatoed tonight. After tonight, I can see Roman and McIntyre at Mania. I'm also kind of surprised this one closed the show. It's It's a placeholder match with not one direct WrestleMania implication. I mean, given I, again, like given all, all I think I would say kind of the emotional weight of of Roman making his return match, and also what else would you have put in that spot? Certainly not Becky versus Ronda. I don't think the Kevin Owens Brian match was hot enough to to be in a main event match. Like to me, it was no surprise this was the main. He says, finally, I thought the finish to Becky Charlotte was logical, both in Ronda's motivation for interfering, especially in its timing. Okay, that's I guess that's something. Like Ronda wanted the two of them to beat up each other before he she came in for the DQ. I think that still makes it a terrible finish, but whatever. He says also, and in the feasibility of the injured Becky winning the match. What I don't like is how weak Becky is left looking. I understand that's the point in this underdog story, but I'm worried we're get, going to get a WrestleMania main event with the star attraction hobbling around the entire match and winning by a fluke. Chris from Pennsylvania. Overall, I thought this was a pretty good show, although there were a few strange things. The good to me was the Raw Tag Title match, the U.S. Title 4-Way, and the WWE Championship Triple Threat. The Shane McMahon turn was entertaining and well-received by this Cleveland crowd. I also liked that they didn't have any turns in the main event and went off with a legitimately feel-good moment. The whole Charlotte-Becky-Ronda thing was a bit of a mess. seemed like they were headed in a good direction for the Triple Threat, but WWE has really overcomplicated things in the last couple of weeks. I'm worried that we could also be headed in that direction with Kofi Kingston as well. Even if the journey is a bit messy, messy, I think we're going to have a very satisfying WrestleMania. More good than bad tonight. 14 out of 20. Do you guys think by the end of WrestleMania that Rollins, Kofi, and Becky will all be champions? It certainly seems to be setting up that way, but you can't put it past WWE to throw us a curveball just because. Yeah, I would imagine that of those three, I could see one of them not winning. Yep, absolutely. I think that with Brock, there's always the possibility he could be working that Saudi Arabia card and they could delay. And with Roman back, maybe Rollins is not the direction they want to go. So mm. uh, I could see that one being held up. And I I would say it'd be a big mistake not to have Becky holding that title up at the end of WrestleMania. I would be saying that one would be the one I would commit to the most. I think so, too. I also feel like it'd be a mistake to not give it to Kofi, though, because, again, like he feels like the hotter pro- project right now. He, he, like, this Kofi Mania thing, I think, has really caught, like, fire. And if they don't live up to it... There's a part of me that feels they should have done that tonight. 
It should what, have been Brian and Kofi tonight for the win. I, I just think that Brian and Kofi is not going to be one of the top three matches at WrestleMania. Yeah, but I think it still means more being at WrestleMania than, you know, being the main event of Fastlane. Not if it's a title match in the middle of the show. I don't feel. But the, the hashtag is Kofi Mania, you know. You could still have it. It's just, As defending, a defending the title. I feel like there's less motivation. But well, okay. We'll see. Maybe it's going to pick up uh, over the next four weeks. That's obviously uh, one of the notable programs. Caller, what's up? Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, Jake from Chicago here. How, how are you guys doing? Hey, Jake. Jake, what's up? Yeah, doing great, man. Um, yeah, uh, fast lane tonight. Uh, I, I thought the uh, the U.S. title, the WWE Championship, and um, were the the, um, the 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 highlight uh, or the the good highlights of tonight. Uh, you know, I gotta feel. I really feel bad for Mustafa Ali tonight. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of. Um, uh, it it kind of reminded me of that Royal Rumble uh, a few years back when. You know, uh, it was uh, number third. The number thirty spot was Rey Mysterio and not Daniel Bryan. And then it's like you know the crowd was really not, really not hot into it. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that was my thoughts on it. So, but unlike you know Ray though, like who didn't really have much of a chance to kind of redeem himself. I thought Mustafa Ali like really did. Like he he took a really negative scenario and he turned the crowd around, which I think speaks volumes about his abilities. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah, so uh, that's my thoughts. And I, I and also the Shield main event uh, really uh, lived up to expectations. Uh, I thought it was like I want. Um, I thought it was like um, really lived up to expectations to some of the uh, past great uh, Shield um, uh, Shield um, Shield tag uh, tag team matches. So I was really impressed by it. So and also just uh, one thing, um, really enjoyed the New Japan Cup uh, this year so far. Uh, my favorite match so far was. Um, Ibushi and uh, Naito, and it was such a spectacular match uh, watching it just earlier this morning. So I'm uh, uh, really excited for you guys to uh, continue reviewing it. So, And that's all I have to say. Thanks, guys. Cool, Jake. Thanks a lot for the call. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. All right, let's continue on with uh, the feedback. Uh, you're up. Uh, are we at uh, Sean from Toronto, right? Uh, yes. Uh, Sean from Toronto says, the storyline with Kofi Kingston better be leading to a big moment at WrestleMania, since that squash was hard to watch and seemed really like something Russo would have done. Also, the anticlimactic DQ finish of the Becky and Ronda, uh, Becky and Charlotte match was probably the most lazy way they could get excuse me, Becky back into WrestleMania, and I really wish now that they respected the Royal Rumble win and just have had the match one-on-one from the start. WWE is seriously risking hurting Becky's momentum with their booking decisions. At least we got to see we got a feel-good send-off for the Shield with no post-match swerve, which is probably for the best, considering that post-match beatings seem like pattern on this show, even by supposed babyfaces. Jay from Colorado. I understand what they are trying to do with Kofi to build him up for WrestleMania, but that was not the way to go about it. Really getting tired of the Mr. McMahon character. I hope XFL is a huge success so he goes there full time. And what a horrible spot to put Mustafa Ali in. I realized they didn't want Owens to eat the pin, but people were booing Ali. And going from that to eating the pin doesn't seem like it's going to help his push. Finally, my wife asked me why some guys choose to wrestle in a one-piece with no shirt and guys like Baron Corbin dress like they just left their shift at Applebee's. What's the purpose? Is there a strategic reason? I could only answer with a blank, dead-eyed stare because fuck if I don't. Uh, some people need to be hidden and some don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know why he's still wearing the dress shirt, though, now that he's no longer an authority figure. Well, if you if you bought some nice suits... And then you were replaced as the acting general manager. You still have the suits. You're not going to wear them anymore? 
I suppose. Uh, but do I still have reason to? The man's you know? got one outfit. He's got multiple versions of. of that I can't outfit. even picture him now wearing like trunks the, again. The t-shirt. He, the, he the, never wore. The, trunks. He wore the tights. Did he wear tights or did he wear like tight jeans and like a t-shirt? Was that his look? Oh, I'm not. I think it would be better than this. I really like, he really does look out of place, especially in tonight's main event. Like Vince McMahon, for somebody who cares so much about aesthetics, I'm surprised he sees so much in Baron Corbin, who looks like the most generic, like he's tall, but he's like, without a shirt, he's, he's flabby, you know, like what really like a, a guy who's so body conscious could, could Baron Corbin really be in the WBF? <laughs> I don't know if he'd be uh, there well, with Gary well, like Strider. giving him the push of a lifetime based on what? Certainly not his look. It's, I think, it's mainly the reaction he gets. I think they look at him Shit, as a genuine man. heel. Fuck, I guess so. That I, I think that him and Elias, I think those are two guys that... I think Elias can... at least looks the part. Yeah, but I mean, it's... Uh, I, I think he's obviously... He's a very valued heel on the raw side. Look at look at his placement tonight. Though he did take the fall at the end. Yeah, I would say that no, he's, he's fine. He's fine. Well, he's. I just think his look could be better. Okay, is it my turn or? Uh, uh I wasn't. Finished. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. No, I was. I was. Andrew was... from Cape Breton says tonight's show was okay. WWE has been weird with baby faces over the past couple of years, and tonight was no exception. I thought WWE killed off Mustafa Ali as a babyface worse than Chase Owens killed off my hopes of winning the New Japan Cup contest. Thankfully, he, Brian, and Kevin Owens are talented enough to dig themselves out of a massive hole. I don't understand why they put a babyface in the spot of disappointing the crowd in such a manner. The match turned out to be the best one of the night, but guys shouldn't have to kill themselves to fight to get the crowd into a match due to the booking. Becky Lynch was a bit rough as well. This badass Becky Lynch only won because Ronda attacked her, causing the DQ. Just like with the WWE title match, WWE is lucky to have such talented people who can fight their way out of extremely bad booking. 12 out of 20 show. All right, next up we go to Jalen from Pickering. Well, that main event felt like a poor man's version of The Shield versus Evolution. The Shield has never faced a force like this before. The last three guys Balor has had 50-50 feuds with? How intimidating. The WWE title match has been handled poorly since Owens came back. Stupidness all around. And between mentioning Ambrose leaving, Triple H's promo, and the women's feud, it feels like WrestleMania is going to be Metamania. How fitting that they're in MetLife. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Jalen, the poet. Very funny. All right. We got Andrew from St. John who says this show had a high average quality. The WWE title, the US title, and the Raw Tag titles were all bangers. And I felt like the Shield main event lived up to the quality of past showcase Shield matches. There was no spectacular story other than seeing good things happen to Reigns and Co., but that has its own reward. Charlotte versus Becky felt a little anticlimactic, although it got where it needed to go. Doesn't it feel like almost every program right now is building to a multi-person scramble? I one thing about like WrestleMania is that yes, we know what the the key matches are. Not in every case, but like I think by this time you pretty much have the whole card figured out. And this year, kind of do though. I guess Orton, AJ, or Sh Shane, Miz. That's two. Roman. Uh, uh, I shouldn't say Roman. Lesnar and Rollins. Rollins. The three-way women's match. Yeah. Brian Kofi. Brian Kofi. Maybe somebody added to that potentially, but yeah, I would say Brian Kofi. That's the, five. That's five matches. Yep. So that's uh, that's half, uh, two half and a half hours of a seven to eight hour show. <laughs> Who else is left? What other? I mean, Sasha. Hunter Bailey. and Batista. Right. We, that's six. Yep. 
And then after that, like, it's like, I don't know what Kurt, Kurt's doing. I don't know what Braun Strowman's doing. We don't know what Finn Balor's doing. We don't know what Roman Reigns is doing. Cena's, pro- maybe Cena and Joe. Cena's got something. Possibly. Yeah. Cena and Joe. I like that pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe a SmackDown multi-person match. I think that's the way to go with that. I would say your main pieces are in place, though. You know? And then the, the main pieces. kind of filler. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's figuring out all of those. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, th- this week, I mean, that's when the hard push begins for WrestleMania will be this week. And I think after Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, we'll definitely have a good sense. And also Wednesday night when the NXT tapings take place, because that's their final tapings before TakeOver. I see some people are still uh, typing in their feedback. But before we, we read theirs, why don't why don't you talk about uh, the New Japan Cup? Yeah, so they've done their, their first three nights of the New Japan Cup. It started on Friday. Uh, Friday's show featured Yoshihashi defeating Manabu Nakanishi. Taichi over Tomoki Honma, Chase Owens over Juice Robinson in the big upset thus far, and Tomohiro Ishii defeating Yuji Nagata. Uh, from that show, I'd highly recommend the Ishii-Nagata match. They went 21 and a half minutes, just an excellent match, ending with Ishii winning with the Brain Buster. And then the second night, we had Lance Archer defeating Toa Hanare with the Blackout in a decent match where I thought that Toa Hanare uh, got a lot of offense before losing. I still feel like he can have a pretty good year uh, in 2019. Mikey Nichols defeated Hikuleo with this uh, gut wrench style powerbomb. I didn't think this match was all that great. It was kind of flat. And I think that Mikey Nichols... Uh, well, he's getting Okada in the next round, so that's going to be the the ultimate litmus test of where he stands. Will Ospreay defeated Bad Luck Fale after a Hurricane Rana and hooking the leg for uh, the win over Fale. They went 11 and a half minutes, and uh, this kind of consisted of Ospreay consistently having the os cutter blocked and then having to go a different direction because he couldn't hit the os cutter onto Fale. He kicked out of the grenade, which was pretty big because... Uh, that's a pretty protected finish that only on special occasions do they have people kick out of the grenade. And then it was headlined by Kazuchika Okada defeating Michael Elgin. A great match. Uh, the one consistency among the first three shows have been dynamite main events on mm. all three shows. And this was certainly one of them. Okada just struggled to get to the Rainmaker. Elgin had all of these counters for it. There was one sequence where it was Okada doing the buckle bomb and Elgin bomb combination. And then finally, uh, Elgin ducked a spinning Rainmaker, but Okada caught him with the tombstone and Rainmaker. They went 24 minutes, six seconds. So that was really good. And then the best show so far was today's show with, um, Hiroshi Tenzon and Ryusuke Taguchi. This was the weakest of the four tournament matches today. Taguchi won in 12 minutes, nine seconds after countering uh, and winning with a cradle. He was pretty much, he escaped the Anaconda Vice. He was working with the, the ankle lock throughout the match. And we had Taguchi miss with the running hip attack. So Tenzon then worked over his ass which led to what I can only describe as a literal head butt mm-hmm. to the ass. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then he did the Mongolian chops to the ass. To the ass. Yeah. Wow. So working over a body part, I've never seen the ass worked over. But like, think about that. Like, you can't sit. It's obviously painful. You're talking about the tailbone in there as well. True. So, I mean, for... Are there some missions that target the ass specifically? Uh, man, there's got to be. Like the... Yeah. Um, I th- th- there's probably so many that I could, if you gave me some yeah. time, I could okay. probably come up with some great ones. Uh, then it really got, um, it really took off Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shota Umino. I was looking forward to this a lot. 
this match is fantastic way. Umino like brings the fight to Tanahashi and he gets all these little moral victories that are going to, you know, it, it largely gives him so much coming out of this. And before I describe this match, let's go to our caller first before I uh, rave about Umino and Tanahashi. But uh, who is this calling? Uh, it's Hansi. Oh, Hansi. Hansi, what's up? What's going on? Uh, first of all, John, uh, happy birthday and way happy early birthday to you. Uh, I know you're, it's your birthday week. Thank you, um, man. Thank you, Hansi. No problem. Um, the pay-per-view, I thought the wrestling was really, really good. Other than, I, I, I just didn't really like the women's match. I mean, like, like you guys said before, like, it's such a convoluted way to get there when it was such an easier way to get there. The Kofi stuff, I didn't mind as much because I want to see what the follow-up is on Tuesday. Like, I, like, we've talked about it, like, several weeks that, like, uh, we need to see a more serious side than Kofi. And I think McMahon screwing him this time it should lead to him and New Day being a little bit more vicious. Like I, I, I don't want to see them happy. I want to see them really upset with what's going on. I, I thought you'd be seeing that more often recently, but they've still been kind of even keel. They've shown a little emotion and all that. But overall, I thought I thought the pay-per-view wrestling-wise was good. I don't know. The, the booking just kind of left a lot to be desired, if, if, if I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love the idea. We've talked about it. I, I would love to see the New Day come out and they don't have the bright colors and it's it's a pissed off New Day that they are not taking this shit anymore. And it's a, it's a big turn. You know, I saw some people who were saying like, oh, they missed such a great chance. It was Pancake Tuesday last week and the New Day wasn't on SmackDown. I'm like, we don't need the pancake shit right now. I think exactly you need a hard turn. And I'm hoping that coming out of tonight, that's what we get to on Tuesday. I agree with you, Hansi. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. And before, and before I go, do you guys, I just want to ask quickly, do you guys think that this match will turn into like a fatal four-way with like Mustafa and Kevin Owens? Like, I know that's not the most desirable result, but do you think, like, with all these hidden, like, with all these variables that they've added over the past several weeks, do you think that's where they're going to head with that or no? I, I don't rule that out. I hope not. I, I, I don't want to see the four-way. I think this is a pretty singular program with, with Brian and Kofi, and that's the strongest play to go with. But given, like, what the, ch- the changes that we have seen over the last month, I don't rule anything out like that. Mm-hmm. All right, that's cool, man. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot for answering my questions, guys. Thanks, Hansi. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks for the call, Hansi. So, uh, anything to follow up with there? Uh, no, not really. So, uh, Tanahashi and Umino. So, with Umino, the match builds up. This guy, his his facial expressions and his fire is so strong. Like, this guy is going to be a big, big star at mm-hmm. some point. And this, I think, is a great building block for him in his career. He gets this Boston Crab, and the crowd is reacting like this is... He's got a Boston Crab <laughs> on Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> like, think about creating a a promotion where something like that gets a pop. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that alone is a victory for this guy. You wouldn't see this match. Like you certainly wouldn't see like a 50, 50 match. No. Like like, the guy on the undercard and and a former champion. Because they, they have this, like they have this tiered system. And here is a guy that is when I was in grade four. Okay. Oh, how is this going to relate to this match? I love, I I can't wait for this. In grade four, our teacher designed this chess club. Okay. And it wasn't just a chess club. He designed rankings. So what he did was he created like this pyramid scheme. Okay. Where 
we had all these like games and then he ranked everybody. So you had the top person, then you had the second tier, third, fourth, fifth, and so on. And if you were on the fifth tier, you could challenge someone at the fourth tier. And then if you won, you could move up the tier. But if it was anything higher than that, that person had to grant you a match. So me, I would try and call my shot and challenge one of the, because I was low on the totem pole. And you would you would go and you would challenge. This is like the guy on the fifth tier. This is John Pollock playing tried chess, to jump tiers. taking on like Daniel, who was like the wow. the, the chess the Tanahashi of your he was chess the Tanahashi club. of grade four Mr. Raposo's chess club class. And he and it would be like me, you know, taking away his queen. Okay, on yeah. the board, I might lose, but I took his queen down. That was the Boston That's crowd. That's a way. moral victory right there. It's a huge moral victory. Yeah. Did so you, did you beat Daniel? No, no, Daniel. Da- I I did go on a nice streak. I think I got to maybe the third tier. I want to say, but no, I never I never sniffed greatness way. I was Damn. I was a supporting player. Uh, so <laughs> great analogy. Ta- Tanahashi immediately breaks out of this and he applies his own, but it's the lion tamer version. He's putting all this pressure, and Umino just fights and fights to the rope, and it's like you're just watching this guy just fight for the rope. And Umino gets up and he slaps Tanahashi. And it's like, this fucking guy, like the the balls on this guy, like he, he's got this cockiness about him. Like he believes I am just as good as you, even if no one else believes I'm at your level yet. I know I'm at your level. Like he just conveyed this so well that it's this confidence he has in himself, but in a kind of heelish way. So Umino later uh, gets another Boston Crab and Tanahashi breaks out of that. So Umino then applies the Texas Cloverleaf. Tanahashi's own submission onto Tanahashi. And Tanahashi gets out of this. Now the shit's on. He hits him with the twist and shout. And then Umino counters the Cloverleaf with this cradle and he gets the ultimate near fall on Tanahashi. This place gasps as Umino nearly beats Tanahashi. And it's that that extra half a second that the guy stays on his shoulders that makes the near fall that much more impactful that people bite on. And Tanahashi gets up from this cover. He's had enough playing around with this guy. Inverted dragon screw. What he did to Jay White, like when he's pissed, the inverted dragon screw. And he applies the cloverleaf and he forces Umino to tap out. This was just a thing of beauty. 14 minutes and 49 seconds. I fucking love this match. Sounds like a fantastic story. To it was just such a great, match. like I, I was looking forward to this. When I saw this pairing, it's like, that's going to be a fun match. It was even better. I just thought it was such a great, great story that 10 years from now, you can probably go back to this match and look at Umino in the developing stages when he had his first singles match with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Fantastic. Evil and Zack Sabre Jr., they went 15 and a half minutes. Uh, you would love this match, Way. It was just, if you enjoy the counters and reversals, this was that times 10. Mm-hmm. It was these elaborate sequences, and it built up to this final one where it was just back and forth, back and forth. Everything is evil gets blocked. The Zack driver is stopped. Then there's an O'Connor roll that gets countered by evil. It ends with Zack applying the octopus. They go to the canvas and then he grabs one leg. He ties up the other into uh, orienteering with napalm death and he submits evil at 1534. So Zack continues his, uh, his New Japan Cup winning streak that dates back to last year when he ran through everybody. And then 
The main event is Tetsuya Naito, Kota Ibushi. So needless to say, this was a very strong card. Um, this match, Naito worked over the neck of Ibushi from the beginning, and then Ibushi came back. He went for the golden triangle. It gets stopped, and Naito hits a reverse draping neck breaker onto the edge of the apron, and then they have these lightning-quick striking exchanges. They go onto the turnbuckle, and there is a reverse Rana from the top. Abushi stops it. He tries the power German, and then Naito grabs Abushi and delivers a tombstone onto the edge of the apron. Wow. I don't know how Abushi uh, will hold up forever doing this style, but it was quite something to watch. Then Abushi stopped the Destino and he hit his own tombstone with the legs trapped and the Kamagoye gets ducked. Naito hits a spinning version of the Destino. Abushi kicks out. Then there's another Destino. It gets countered with a high kick and Abushi finishes with a uh, Bomaye for a two count. The Abushi driller and then finally grabs the wrists for the Kamagoye and wins in 20 minutes and 40 seconds. So Abushi is moving on, and he will take on Zack Sabre Jr. in the second round while Tanahashi takes on Taguchi. Sounds great, man. So those are some of the matches uh, I would recommend. The main events from the first two nights with Nagata versus Ishii, Elgin versus Okada, and then the final three matches of the third day, I'd recommend all of them. But um, yeah, I, I would say Naito Abushi has probably been the best match of the tournament so far. Ishii and Nagata and Tanahashi Umino. Those would be my three favorites, I think, so far. I'm 10 for 12 right now in my Oh, that's really good. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I think Chase Owens, a lot of people didn't pick. And my other upset was um, Ryusuke Taguchi. Anyway, um, cool, John. I think uh, let's wrap it up. I think that is all for us tonight. So thank you to everyone for tuning in to the Fastlane Post Show. Wayne and I will be back on Monday night with Rewind to Raw, Probably a very interesting Raw from Pittsburgh, yeah. Pennsylvania, uh, which is the same arena where Batista was in that infamous 2014 Royal Rumble. Interesting. So now he wants to be booed in Pittsburgh. He Maybe will. he'll bring that up. He will be there. Yes. Yes. Face to face with Triple H. Uh, so we will be back. Uh, huge slate of shows this week, as usual, including Friday's edition of Rewind Away, where yeah. we are reviewing WrestleMania 26, if you are a cafe member. And on that feed right now, for all of our Patreon patrons, we have our latest review of the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, movie reviews. And that, of course, is the very controversial Thor The Dark World, where John, myself, and Davey Portman from Up Next talk all about this uh, this film that maybe unfairly gets a lot of criticism. I've I've gotten some good feedback to that show. Yeah, that me did. too. It seems like Captain Marvel is also getting a lot of... Uh, I watched it this weekend. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Maybe we'll talk about it Monday. What a hook. I love <laughs> it. All right, well, tune in Monday night. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you for the callers. And we will speak with you Monday night after Raw.